When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that likes Rangers, thinks that old men do it better. This week on Heart and Hand, same thing every week. Hi guys, Fangio is one day fantasy football. You select a team of Premier League players for a single round of fixtures so you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win money if you're good enough in one day. First up, choose your contest. You can play for free or put your own money on the line for bigger payouts. We're playing the £5 fan fave with six grand of prizes to be won to the top 36 managers. Then you pick your dream team. You have 100 million to spend, there's no subs, no captains, just 11 shirts to fill and you need to find the perfect formation. Splash out the dead certs, hunt out the hidden gems. It's the ultimate test of your football knowledge. Fangio was designed by football fans like us and it's powered by OptaStats. It's about much more than goals, assists and clean sheets. Every pass, interception, every tackle, they've all got big implications. And we've got an offer for you. Deposit £10 play with £30 sign up today. So make a deposit of £10 and Fangio will give you an extra £20 free credit to play with. You'll get £5 free credit in your account to use each week for four weeks. It's the perfect chance to prove your managerial prowess and win big. Use promo code RANGERS when signing up to claim your offer. Promo code RANGERS when signing up to claim your offer. Available in the UK only for those over 18. Please play responsibly. Terms apply. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the uh, Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host and I'm joined this week by Mr Scott Vandenacker. Yes, sadly I'm someone who won't see 38 again, unlike Clint Hill and Kenny Miller. But What a, what a randomly early one to start at, Scott, as if you're 39. What? 
Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm trying to make it as if it's closer, yeah, I just yeah. missed it, well, you know. I won't see 26 again, yeah, not for about 20 years, right? <laughs> or all the other ones in yeah, between. exactly. Yeah. But, okay. uh, but yeah, you cling to that one. Yes, um, I was just saying to, to David, folks, that I, I pre-poured, I poured myself a nice whiskey, I saw pre-pandy whiskey, and Jesus, did I get the measures wrong? <laughs> it's so strong that my eyes are burning. Oh, so... Joyous, pished, Scott. That's yeah. going well, yes. that, that, that's gonna make the second half of this pod somewhat libelous. But, uh, no, well, I've got a cherry aid, but that's because when I used to pour myself whiskey, it was like a bottle, and it, it inevitably led to, well, disaster. You were there, you know. Yes, it was It was fun for a while, though. Oh, right. It was always that bit where it was really good, yeah, and the then first ten, after that. first ten years yes. were good, but then you all grew up and I didn't. It was fucking horrendous. But, uh, oh, well, no, mind. You know, people were buying houses, and I was <laughs> I was buying, like, designer, designer whiskey, and uh, at that point, I was like, hmm. Something going wrong here. Um, when you're earning six figures and you've not got any money, but you've got a cupboard full of booze, then uh, something's gone wrong in your life. Yeah, it has. Right, Scott, uh, let's deal with it. The fallout from the old firm game. I know you've I got think, a few thoughts. Well, I think at this stage we're going to have to be very technical, folks. So we're going to look at areas such as areas to which you can't really allocate any blame at all. Scott has done a document for he genuinely has, right? The, the preparation for this usually amounts to what we're talking about and me sending a text that says Rangers. Um, that is generally the kind of level of, of preparation that Scott and I do. But he sent me a very proper, very well produced, and I have to say very accurate document. And David says he's got some comments. So it'll be interesting to see what they are. For example, let's just give one example. Um... Of course we can't close the gap on them yet. They keep winning. We're not set up as a club to match that yet. Yeah, and some of our players are a bit pish. Yes. Um, the statistics about who won their uh, one-on-ones against specifically Dembele. Someone did all the research and we've got the stats for you later, David. That ties into some of our players are a bit pish. Well, yeah, but what about the flaws with the three-five-two, especially on the right-hand side of the, the the pitch? That is a very good point. That the the system, although I think it it does have its benefits, is somewhat let down by the fact that some of our players are a bit pish. And we were no threat from set pieces. Pish. Oh, okay, folks. That was that was in depth look. And now we're going on to sport and integrity. Yeah. Um, okay, I mean, to, to start with the first half an hour, I thought, excellent, played really well. And I think it was uh, Gary Carmody on, or however you pronounce your name, Gary, get a proper name, on Twitter, who said that one of the most frustrating things about this Rangers side is that they can be a very good team for half an hour every match. And he's right. Um, and it's it's probably a bit more frustrating than if they were just total garbage or not. They they are capable of putting together some very good football, but they can't sustain it for a match, never mind for a month. And we saw that, I think, on, on, the, uh, on the 31st. I think so. I mean, the first half hour, I think we're all pretty hopeful and um, pretty, pretty, you know, up for it. It looked good. Um, we're deservedly ahead... And I was reading one of the, the media guys, and um, he was saying that for the first time in a long time, he'd written in his notepad, Rangers well on top. Yeah, I think I was Neil Cameron in there. Aye, and, and it was I'll, a good article. I agreed with pretty much everything he said on it, to be honest. And I think it was unusual. And But then, of course, because as David alluded to at the beginning, under the, the sort of catch-all headline of some of our players are pish, we have, we cannot... Concentrate. This is the opposite of what Gary Carmody is saying, which is we can string together some brilliant passages of play. 
we cannot go a game or even a half without making a mistake. Yeah, we can't. Every you, game, home or away, yeah. any opposition, any competition, cup or league, we can't do it. And you always know it's in the post, and that's one of the things that then that spreads throughout the team. It certainly has spread throughout the support. I mean, you you're sitting there thinking when they get corner kick. A few people said, "I knew they were going to score from that corner," and so did I. And it there was that feeling of. Something and sure as fate to have the time for for their you, you know bless them their top player to have the time to pull the ball down in the box and then unleash that finish unchallenged with nobody even getting close to him from a corner kick that's unforgivable. You deserve to be punished when when you can't do the basics. And the second goal, somebody posted. You'll have seen this, David, yourself. It's a totally horrific little sort of a MPEG of the build-up to Celtic's second goal. And Sinclair is ambling. He's basically walking yeah. into space. Then he trots a little, just trots a little bit, and there's nobody within about, what, 15 yards? The first thing I did it's, when I saw that move develop, as I'm watching it, and I, I don't claim to be a football expert, people who've listened to this probably will know that, that uh, we laugh and joke about it. We, we fully accept that those steeped in the game know more about football than us. Absolutely. But the first thing I did, a layman, an amateur in the stands, was to look to our right back area because that's where the ball was going. It was really obvious that that's where they were going. If they did something else, then that's an exceptional bit of play. And you, you know, if they create a chance in another channel because they've done something very special, but you could see what the move was as it unfolded, and the fact that. Tavernier couldn't and I know people had to go at Kiernan and Kiernan's certainly been capable of mistakes but it, it must be difficult to continually be playing next to a fullback whose positional sense makes Stevie Whitaker look like Cafu I mean absolutely I mean I don't think in the whole if you see the move unfolding I don't think uh, Sinclair broke sweat or even into a run he just sort of strolled up behind him and scored at the back and, post and waited, incredible incredible uh, waited. No, it, it, was, it was very poor if there were positives, um, the, the ones I would I would bring up first of all were um, Barry Mackay, who mm-hmm. was was wonderful. Some of the stuff he did, and I cannot get my head around that Barry Mackay is by far and away our best player. And some and you know a sizable minority seem determined to chase him. I think to be honest, as a podcast, we very rarely come out with anything definitive, do we? We don't really come up with opinions. We don't have opinion pieces or editorials. But, if you want to chase Barry Mackay out of Ibrox for being a wee poof, then you are, not thinks, not maybe, no, you are a complete and utter fuck-knuckle. Fair enough. That's on the fence uh, and, and yep. swiftly moved off it there. But but it's true, I mean, the, the crap that people come away with about him, you don't know football, I'm sorry, it's as simple as that. The boy has more... Yes, there are times where he can be a bit frustrating, as youngsters make their way in the game can often be but I, I wonder now if people are just so used to playing FIFA that they expect players to be able to do that all the time some of the things he does are so much in advance it's almost the Boer syndrome mm-hmm. of the, the rest of the players not being on his wavelength at times which Barry will need to, to try and uh, to, to try and learn yes he could do with, with being a wee bit more involved in games at times but he was he was playing Celtic sometimes that second half on his own I felt um, well maybe not on his own I thought Kenny Miller again I know people will talk about the chance he missed but the fact is if, if we're going into a big game at the moment Kenny Miller is the first name I pencil on the team sheet well, 
second after Mackay. And uh, the one after that is Clint Hill. And uh, there are rumours going around that, that both have been offered a, a one-year extension. As far as I'm concerned, that's just common sense. Yeah, I think it was it was one of the worrying things to come out of the good the good half hour was the best players were a goalkeeper. Yes, actually, I'm being unfair. A young lad, yeah, a young lad who everyone's trying to chase out for being a wee poof who doesn't slide tackle, and two guys that are 38. The what we were we're going to touch on this in a minute. We're going to get into more detail, but where we're being let down at the moment is the the journeyman pros who make up most of our squad. Not the younger players and not the older guys who have a bit about them. The rest of the guys who should know better, the guys who you've said this a lot, David, about guys who they're not kids anymore. No. And like Kiernan is 24, I think, and Wilson's Wilson's 25. 25. They're not kids, they're not young. These are the guys that are letting us down. Um, And I, I just think it's a bit slightly worrying where you're talking about now relying on, as I say, the two 38 year olds. But they were excellent. I think those four you've picked out were, were really good. There was some disaster days. I think it was one of these games. Ta- Tavernier had an absolute utter howler. And the bit where he met up with Kiernan on the right-hand side of the three-five-two yeah. was was just an utter holocaust in the second half. It was just it was painful to watch. Every single move unfolded there. But we'll start. I suppose we should start by talking, taking the people through things like. What David and I were doing is looking at basically talking points to get to generate some interest, you know, get folk chatting back to us. And this is what we sort of thought, folks, right? Number one is the areas where you just can't blame anyone. Is that right, David? No one's yeah, to blame. Yeah. Firstly, we thought they've got better players than us. They do. They've got better players. They've got a much bigger budget. They've got huge wages. Oh, and by the way, see the next time you hear some half-wit go, why didn't we get them bellies? Because he's in 40 grand a week, right? Celtic yes. didn't scout them belly and get them for half a million through some, you know, fantastically clever bit of scouting. Spurs bid six million for the boy a wee while ago. He's a great player. He's their boom song. And fair play to them for pulling it off. We've tried it with Rossiter. I hope we try it again. And I hope at some point we succeed. But that was that deal. He is, if he doesn't leave this window, and I think he probably will, he is gone the next. That was always the agreement. But they, it wasn't the 500 grand. It was the 40 grand a week. We couldn't commit to that. He wanted to go somewhere, put himself in the shop window, Easier league probably, but Champions League as well, which we couldn't offer, and he's done that. So don't you know? Give it. Oh, why didn't we spot him? Everybody knew right. about Musa Dembele. It was just the fact that Celtic were in an advantageous position and they're going to profit from the deal. And fair play to them for that. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it again. But but don't come away with this crap that that we didn't spot him and any of the rest. There are criticisms of the scouting, which Scott and I will come to, but that isn't one of them. Ah, exactly. Secondly, the subs were better than ours. Yes. Obviously, because I've got a massive squad, right? No one's fault at the moment. Second, another point: not many fans are moaning, not quite closing the gap on them. Oh, it should be closer than twenty-two points. Yes, it should, but they keep winning games, mm. and we we've spent three million pounds net in eighteen months. Our average spend on each player we brought in was it one hundred ninety thousand? Somebody worked Something out. Like so where are we are? Right. That's, so that's you can't blame Saturday's result on those two things, right? Areas in which. Second thing is areas in which we, as a pod, would probably blame individuals and not the management team at all. Was both goals we've talked about them horrendous? Miller's side foot against the post. It wasn't his best moment, but it's nothing to do with shape, nothing to do with formation. Maybe he was tired. He dragged at it. These things happen in football, right? Agreed. And this was the interesting thing I thought, and I nicked this from some statos. You know, how interesting thing these days is even for Rangers guys now give you statistical tactical Jonathan Wilson reports on every game. Yes. So you go out there and you find it. 
Hill won 13 of his 16 one-to-one tussles with Dembele, right? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. For Wilson and Kiernan, it was the opposite. Completely reversed statistics. Those two guys, as, as David's alluded to for years, that age group, 25, 26, you're not a kid. How much more are you going to learn? Dembele ragdolled them both. Constantly There was one incident as well In the second half When Danny Wilson gets the ball Steps forward And plays a pass Straight into The midfield area But straight to a non-Russian Celtic player Who'd read it And and It happens every week And it's He's 25 If you're not going to Cut it out of your game You have to cut the player Out of your squad That's I I, I quite like Wilson You know I always have I've defended him on here to you And Mm. But this is it now I mean He that this is as good as he's going to get because if he can't be showing signs of eliminating the stupid errors from his game, then he, the stupid errors are going to be there forever. Yeah, I mean he's he's at a crossroads. Also, he has got Hill next to him, which is oh, remember him with Davy Weir? He needs an old guy, but he's got an old guy beside him. Yeah, he's still bang he's, average. He's not far off being the old guy himself. Let's be honest. At that age. I would yeah. hope that you'd be the one who'd be capable of leading the, the defence. I'm not comparing them as players, by the way, because obviously there's a huge golf in class, but it's almost like Gary Cahill at Tottenham, yep. who is a good defender if he's paired with someone or, or in a system that, that's working well, but if you leave him to be the top man, it never works. No. Third point we thought, folks, for discussion for you know uh, Twitter and stuff, is areas you can maybe, maybe blame the manager on the day. And David, this is something that we've not talked about yet, so see what you think, okay? Very shortly into the second half, although the unkind would argue the last 10 minutes of the first half as well, you could see that we either needed to switch to four with a defensive midfielder or bring Hodgson on for Tavernier. The bit where Tavernier and Kiernan, as I said, overlapped, that part on the right was utterly, utterly horrific. And yet it stayed pretty much 3-5-2 with the same personnel for long, long swathes of the game. And I think that was a big, big tactical mistake on the day. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the impressive things about Rodgers, apart from the fact that he manages to walk about with those teeth without falling over, mm-hmm. because I think if I was carrying that much weight in my mouth, I, I would do so. What do you think happened when he went in at the dentist? The dentist said, right, so we're just going to put these in. And he went, no, no, fuck that, right? I want the, I want the great white shark ones. I want, yeah. I want ones that you can see from the moon. I want it to be the Great Wall of China and Brendan Rodgers' teeth. Right? I thought, but, yeah, he went XL, didn't he? He, he, did. he definitely did. But he'll change things about. Sometimes too much. I mean, I, I remember a Liverpool Villa Cup semi-final a few years ago where he changed the formation four times in half an hour. That's mm. that's ridiculous, right? But he will adapt during a game, and Warburton won't. And... You know, it's eighteen months now. It's it's not a new thing. He just he right. will not alter. We may see little tweaks. People have have said, "Well, you say he never changes anything. He has changed things in recent weeks. Yes, he has. He will make tweaks, but they're before a match. They're not during." And you're absolutely correct that the Hodgson switch was so obvious. Another thing that concerned me, Scott, was after sixty minutes, we were blowing out our asses. We were dead on our feet, and they weren't. And I don't see what the excuse is there if there's one thing we can say that there's not a huge difference in it's the training facilities I would say that our training facilities are are, are pretty good and yes you might not be the most talented player yes you might make stupid mistakes but you should be fit enough to compete with anyone in the same league you're well in. I'm going to come on to that in a second yep you're spot on my second point under areas you could maybe blame the gaffer was funny enough Mackay who had a great game but I thought he should have had a bit more freedom to drift in the middle we he was on. He was Scott, on form. Scott, we should was, be building the, the attack round, Mikel. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's yeah, that's a different point. But yes, 
he was getting kicked. They were taking turns to kick him. He, he attracted about five bookings. Yeah. He had them on the run, but he kept getting told to go left. Now, he's not a bad winger, but in the middle, in the hole, I think he would have created mayhem. And I think he needs more freedom on the pitch. Those are two things I think the manager can take the blame for in the day. The fourth area is ongoing issues. And we've talked about some of these. Number one, set pieces. We're not a threat from taking them. And yet we look as if we're about to concede from every single one that anyone takes against us. Same mistakes, same dangers, same zonal marking mistakes. Nothing learned in terms of set pieces. Can't argue. Secondly, fitness, exactly what you said. Mark Warburton himself said, at least there were no teams fitter than us. There are. Yeah, there are, clearly. There's no evidence at all that we are super fit in this league. Um, We're not uh, finishing games particularly strongly. We're not staging massive comebacks from behind. On Saturday, we tired before they did. And what I noticed from watching the filth, because I never see them, except when we play them, they are much quicker to shut down over that wee short, that five, ten yards. Mm. They get, we seem to struggle with that explosive pace to get to the man with the ball, to force him to turn and play it back the way. A lot of that, I think, comes from the midfield that we have, because the midfield that we have is not up to par for the division that we're in. And there are circumstances behind that. The manager did try to rectify that in the summer with signings, some of which, in fact, all of them pretty much have gone awry for one reason or another. Um, and we're being forced in there with the, the Halliday, Hole and one other you know, midfield combination at the moment. Um, it doesn't work. And we're so lightweight, we're so easily bossed. The, the difference between the two sides going in that anyone could see was that their front four, whatever, or sorry, their front three, whatever combination of their, their front four, they decided to play was going to be stronger than ours. That was just a fact, right? There was no getting around that. And what Celtic did very cleverly was that their midfield didn't try to, if you like, make make the play. They knew they didn't have to. What they had to do was to hold their own in midfield and get the ball forward and not do anything fancy. And that's all they did. And our guys had no answer to it. Yep. They also were very quick to certain players the let of the ball. Like, for example, they, they didn't close down Wilson too quickly because, as you say, he kept giving the ball away. And and what they, so they chose the target the players to, to close down. And the end result was that even our better defenders ended up lumping it and they simply got the ball back and started started another attack. And the last thing I, we, we sort of picked up was, and I don't know whether this counts as individual players or whether it is part of an ongoing issue, is we missed too many chances and scored too few goals. Between our strikers... They've got so few goals. Our top strikers get five league goals. And I, I don't know whether this is an ongoing issue, as I say, or whether it's down to the individual, but... I have to we've be no, honest, Nobody's yeah. deadly. Nobody in that team is deadly. Nobody in a one-on-one. I've would you say he's going to bury that? None I've of them. To be honest, I'd, I'd sell Waghorn because it's too inconsistent. Um, he's not scoring enough goals. You have good cameos against Hearts and Aberdeen. Um, excellent display against Hamilton. Very poor against Inverness when a lot of them were. Uh, very poor against St Johnson, and then uh, a man down. On yeah. I mean, he really was just dreadful against Celtic. And I think if there's if there's interest there, then I'd be I'd be tempted to to take it. Well, moving moving on then, yeah, um, because you know we could we we could sit and whine about it all day. It's it's never it's never pleasant. Um, and I think we are realistic. We have accepted Celtic are a better side than us, and you know it. I wanted them to compete and they did. Listen, I didn't feel that Rangers, any Rangers player came off that part where I thought, uh, 
you didn't try or you didn't give your all. So it wasn't that at all. Um, some of them just aren't good enough. I mean, that's really yeah. is all, all there is to it. Celtic are better players at the moment. People know David and I, and people know of our involvement in things like the trust. We've Going back years, we've pushed for change at this club before it was too late, okay? It didn't happen and now it is too late. The shit did hit the fan and they're going down to the Titanic. The Titanic went down. So David, you won't find a more realistic pod than ours. You will not find anyone calling for the manager's head, screeching at Dave King or demanding this. David and I are extraordinarily at ease with where we are and you can't get away from it. But within that, that doesn't mean to say, as we've just talked about where our post-match summary, that things we couldn't be doing better. Yeah, there are things that we could be tightening up on. We could be fitter. We could be dropping the guys that keep making individual mistakes every week. There are things we could do. We could be given... I agree with David, by the way. Barry Mackay, number 10 role, feed him in the pitch. Go either way. Go drift, son. Get on the ball. Yeah, and tell him he won't be dropped if he has a bad game or move nope. back out to the left. If he's a bad Six, game. seven, eight games in a row, just let play him. Yeah. Go. The only one who's really got that is Garner. And I, I you know, I've defended Garner. I know you don't rate him at all. Nope. Um He's going to be out for a few months, which is a blow just in terms of bodies. But I think Dodo was very unfortunate. He get the, you know, he get the two goals. He got one start. At Tyne Castle, um, almost scored the goal, disallowed, and then gets dropped, never to be seen again, except in you know, five-minute cameos. And, uh, yeah, it's it, there's been some odd, odd decision-makings there. Moving on about you know, potential players coming in, Scott, I finally concede that Michael Halloran was a duff signing. It's just, there's a couple of things, as we've said for a long time, the technical aspect isn't there. Although, can I say, that my dad... Bless him, friend of the pod. My dad laughed, actually laughed at Mark Waghorn's attempt to escape from their defence and slot it away. Mm. See that? Got the ball, mm-hmm. got slower and slower, got caught, and tried to do a sort of Cruyff turn, stood in the ball, and then finally tried to roll it sideways, yeah. only for Celtic defence to, to take a five yard start. O'Halloran, in fairness, in that situation, who knows? No, he, he does. He would have. I, I think that O'Halloran could have done more. But by this, what I mean is not that I don't. I, I do think that there was something you could have done with the boy. What I find puzzling about the signing is the manager bought him and appeared to not rate him the second after he got him. No, he's and never played him. That, really, you know, we chased him for a month and then he's he's hardly featured. So he's heading out the door by, you know, if you believe rumours that he's potentially going on loan. Possibly uh, Crooks is going on loan. We hear maybe. Yeah, that was a punt. That's fair enough. That can happen, and he could go on loan, come back, and be a player. You, you never know. He is young. Now the guys, the, the kind of biggest talk, they were apparently very close to the deal for John. Uh, I think it's Toro. Uh, people can you know, tell me in the pronunciation yeah. front. Um, Arsenal player, but um, played on loan at Brighton, been on loan at Granada, uh, not Brighton, Brentford, sorry. And I've seen him play, and he is a very good player. Again, I'm not sure if he's as physically imposing as we need. I think he's, if, if you've got in your mind a sort of ZLLM style player, he's, he's a bit more dynamic than ZLLM, maybe not as good at retaining possession, but certainly the physical attributes, if that's what you've got in your mind, you're correct. Um, the other one is Diego Poyet, who I I must admit, you know, I watch a lot of championship, but it just doesn't doesn't ring any bells for me at all. We've we've joked about this, but you know, Frank McParland, big reputation, kind of just to me looks as though he gets the contact book out from Brentford, Watford, you know, Burnley reads through it and, and, and QPR, QPR, yeah, yeah and. Look, I accept we don't have a worldwide scouting network in place, but you know you can get in a plane, Frank. Yeah, he's the 
the other two guys I'm linked with, I mean, they're they're known. From what, the other guy's Jota, okay. I don't think that's going to happen, though. No, apparently Brentford manager says he's going to play him at the weekend of his squad. Yeah, and so it, it's looking unlikely now. But what's interesting, but there there's two Scottish SPL players that have been named as well, okay. Well, I think but, to be fair, one of them was made up by by a guy on Twitter, so I'm not sure that the Ali Crawford one. Well, yeah, Ali Crawford and Nicholson, Sam Nicholson, yeah, the Hearts. And my worry about that, of course, is all you're doing is adding bodies. Now, we'll talk about this as the season goes on, and I've just said that David and I are entirely realistic about where we are. But what we have to do next season is close the gap. I don't think we'll win the league, but we have to be a lot closer. Nicholson, Crawford, guys like that, they're not going to take you closer to where you want to be. Point, counterpoint, though. Yes. We the best kind, the best kind. Yep. We, we do tend to do this a lot. I'm maybe a wee bit more... Patient than you on this because, or, or optimistic. Patient's not the right word. Mm-hmm. I am more patient than you um, because in general. you're a reactionary whiskey drinking loon. But you know, when Celtic signed Lee Griffiths, for example, we would say, "Well, he's not going to take them that far away from us." And then the players that go down south and they do, you know, quite well, and we say, "Well, we didn't have a look at them up here." Is it not a case of if you Ryan Fraser right now who's who's getting rave reviews at, at Bournemouth, um, for example, if we'd have signed him, would people not have been saying, Well, he's not gonna do the and are we not dooming ourselves to failure with these guys? Are we not setting ourselves up to fail that there's a sort of confirmation bias at play that we sign a Sam Nicholson say, who I do think's a good player by the way, and he arrives he he doesn't start off like uh, you know, a sensation. He starts off quietly, and we immediately say, "Well, he's not good enough." There, knew it. You know, that's why you don't buy from SPL. Well, you're you're probably right. I give you an example though. When I went against my own, but my, my only example of going against it was at the time um, James MacArthur um, was going down. Was rumours he was leaving Hamilton, and the fee was apparently five hundred thousand pounds. Yes. Now, at the time, we'd no money at all. We didn't have a pot to piss in. No. But I said it would be worth doing because. His value was only going up, and I don't know why. I just always saw something in McCarthy. Player, he, yeah. I mean, it's fair enough. You don't. You don't. And he, he was only one that. I mean, yes. By I all means, blow your own trumpet. Don't play your own bass guitar because otherwise, I've heard some of the noises you make with that fucker. But by all means, blow your own football trumpet. I'm about to blow it, and although not really, because there's about twenty other examples in the SPL. Generally, I get a PM from a guy. This is interesting. I get a PM from a guy saying, "Fuck's sake, we'll get him in six months when he comes back up the road, on loan or released." By Wigan, he's pure pish. And at the last count, uh, Palace were going to turn down £10 million you know, for him. They paid 10 for him, mate. Yeah, so they're going to turn down. Uh, Double yeah. That, yeah. Uh, so maybe there are better players than we let on. And maybe you're right, maybe it's the fact of where, of where they came from. Um, well, I remember the big heart striker in November, Ragdoll does, mm-hmm. played brilliantly. The next day, everyone on Mark's website was like, uh, yeah, shite though, he's bound to be. I know he's just back from injury, we haven't really seen him. He's got to be shite. Yeah, and, and there is that. that, And yet, do you know what? We could sign five of these guys and four of them could not work out. Um, but that is the the end of the transfer market we're at. You know, that, that that's punts, it's panhandling, it's it's looking for gold, it's, it, it's doing the, you know, getting... In the kind of rough diamonds and, and trying to cut them in a way that, that presents them as, as better. Well, so, so, what's interesting about Toral, just before we go, is that although it's a rumoured loan, apparently it, his contract is up in the summer. Mm-hmm. So, if his parent club aren't interested, then it's not one of these dead end loan deals. Well, possibly not. Mm-hmm. It, it, it could go somewhere because I know a lot of our listeners and people will come on Twitter and say, 
loan deals. All you do is benefit the parent club. I think with Tour Allen, fairness, it, it, there's a slight potential for it to become something. Mm-hmm. So, although I don't mind loan deals as much, I'll also say this to the folks out there in the podland. thing about Rangers is, David and I, lots of our friends, people in the trust years ago, always argued for three to five years, five to ten years, where are we going? It's too late now. Now it is all short-termism. Now we go window to window, having to improve, have to incrementally get a bit better, get more money in, a slightly better shut deal. Everything now is the next decision. Sadly, that's and I think it's wrong, what happened to us is, dis- is disgraceful, but see if we get a loan deal in and the guy scores 25 goals a season, and he goes back to his parent club. Good. Those 25 goals, you don't know how much priceless that could be in terms of qualification, no, silverware. You, you, you're totally correct. I, I've, I've argued this on the pod before. It, there's three types of things, you know, short-term, medium-term and long-term, and you need to be taking care of each of each area. You don't want to be doing too much in the first category, but equally I think some of our fans, and some of them are progressive fans, can get a bit caught up in it. Well, where's the resale value? Well, Maybe there isn't, but you know what? Maybe he's good for right now. Now you don't want ten of those players, right? No, God but, but no. Nor do you want ten of the guys who are going to come good in three years. Because what about right now? So you, you do have to, you do have to look at that. But, I'll give you examples. Tammy Abrams, okay? Yep. We were offered Tammy Abrams, and apparently the board sat down and didn't. They couldn't bring themselves to pay the twenty grand a week for Tammy Abrams on loan because they thought the fans wouldn't wear it. Tam Abrams went to Bristol City and is tearing up. He's, he's you know, the lad's yeah, incredible. Yeah, he's just been really good season. Uh, and I don't know, would the fa- I think the fans would have worn it. If Tam Abrams had come here and hit, say, 30 in a season and, and got us closer to where we wanted to be, I think the fans would have worn that. I think the board have to think a bit more. Yes, we're looking for the certain type of player. And you're right, David, we're looking for somebody like, I don't know, the goat Wes. Fordham, come, get better, get sold for millions of pounds. But we're not going to get that every single time. No, you need you need Clint Hill. Failures, yeah, and you do. You need the Clint Hill. Uh, Cranshire might have worked. You, you need to do that, Miller. So, yeah, it, it's balance. And like I say, you don't want to overfill one basket. I think for years we looked at the short term far too no. much, and that, that, that obviously cost us. But, uh, yeah, you do need to, to look around. Okay, then, Scott. Well... As Scott mentioned, we want to hear from you. Uh, I usually do this at the end, but I'll just say if you want to tell us what you think, um, you can get in touch with us. It's uh, Go to Facebook and search for Heart and Hand, uh, the Rangers podcast, and you'll find us. Come and chat to us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm uh, at IbroxRocks, and Scott is at ScottHeartHand. Scott, let's move on then um, to slightly shorten this week, SI Award, because uh, I, I teased this earlier, some of the, the Paul Le Guin 10th anniversary stuff I'd like us to cover yeah. a little bit. Um, so, uh, Scott, if I can ask you to just present a small one. In that case, I can get you one perfect one that, that I also get the people out there in Twitterland excited because one of the biggest football personalities at the moment on social media, for a lot of the wrong reasons, is Mike Dean. Now, it's possible, David, you might have seen, you watch a lot more English football than me, and you might have seen Mike Dean have a good game. Not coming to mind. Well, well, okay, maybe somebody has. Okay, maybe. I mean, loves a red he, card, that boy. I mean, I won't say he loves a red card. Like a paisley lass with a fresh bobby, Mike Dean loves to get his hands on them. It doesn't matter if it was justified red card or not for Mike. Not, not it, necessarily. No, doesn't have no. to be. Ideally, yes, but not. Not what I thought was telling was in the he sent off Sophia and Faguli um, yep. of West. I'm Ham. coming. I'm coming to that. 
Well, he set him off, and uh, Niall Quinn and Alan Smith, who I think we would all agree, whether you like them or not, are two of the kind of most mild-mannered pundits. That yes. You get. And both of them are ex-players and were very good players, actually. Um, especially Alan Smith, a uh, very underrated player. And they tore him a new one. And that they're not in the habit of doing this. These are not guys, they're not Chris Sutton's, you know, they're not doing this for effect. Then they're saying he's one of these refs that players hate because he wants to be the centre of attention. Anyway, sorry, continue. No, that's fine. So you wouldn't want to be Mike Dean at the moment, would you? Not, well, <laughs> I mean, no. there's a Twitter storm. Obviously sent off Sofiane Figuli. Figuli seems to have committed the ultimate crime of being fouled by Phil Jones. And that was that was worthy of a red card. I, I can't stand Phil Jones, I don't know why. Maybe it was because of the old, you know, new Bobby Moore tag and all that shite, but there's just something about the guys cannot warm to. No, same here. Something's not right. He, he's not right. So, fi- a lot of fans who are not my new fans have been venting their spleen, okay? And where else would they go? David, where would they go to vent their spleen? They'd go to at the real Mike Dean on Twitter, right? Yes. And they gave him hell. They gave him absolute hell on Twitter, right? There is a problem, though. A problem. What is that problem? Mike Dean, the referee, isn't on Twitter. Ah. The real Mike Dean is an American hip-hop producer who's worked with GZ and Canoe West. Okay? Oh, I think I've I've heard of them fellows. Those are those rap chaps. They do the rap. See the big... See when they pull the trousers down the back and... Mm. Jump about and stuff. That's them. That's you, the rap fellas. You laugh, but Kanye West will probably end up being president. Yes, I mean, yeah, he's got enough Twitter followers. Yep. So, the guy Mike Dean, the hip hop producer of uh, GZ, he um, started taking it quite well. Hey, I'm not that Mike Dean, smiley face. Mm-hmm. Then you know, hey, I think you've got the wrong guy. Maybe try and find his Twitter handle. You know, is he well? Until eventually, bro. Yeah, he's Pakistani. Okay. Um, until eventually, this is a great tweet. Mike, Mike Dean, the real Mike Dean, eventually tweeted, "I am not a soccer ref, you limey fucks. Do some fucking, do some fucking research, you fucks." Here you go. I'm gonna get him on. He sounds great. Actually, no. Everybody, when you get this, tweet him. <laughs> right, you've got to just go and tweet at the real right Mike now, Dean. At the real Mike Dean and right. say, "What did you think of the Heart and Hand podcast about your display against West Ham, Mike?" Yes, so I love that. Fucking love it. No, you obviously had enough. Just snapped. Well, to make him feel a bit better, then congratulations uh, to to referee Mike Dean because you're the winner of this week's Sporting Integrity Award. It's been 10 years since Paul Le Guin uh, left Rangers. It's not been the 10th anniversary of his arrival, but uh, that, that whole storm. And it was sort of brought to mind this week by Chris Boyd. Had an article in The Sun where he talked about, he's got a column in The Sun these days, and he talked about Le Guin just leaving and uh, criticised him for not learning the language, not really communicating with the players, uh, the the diet he tried to impose, the fact that he wouldn't allow tackling and training, and gave gave his views on it. And I mentioned on Twitter that um, very rarely, Scott, do do we ever say that we've got any insight to offer. Am I am I correct? I mean, I think. I think the listeners over the years have realised that we have pre- precious little to add to the debate yes. about anything, really. Yeah, but 
this is an area where, for once, I actually thought, well, I might have a couple of things that I can I can mention about this because at the time, can uh, I set the scene briefly? Is this right? No, this is my memory. Okay, we were on holiday in yes. Benderloch. Uh, yeah, Dunoon, Yes, that's correct. Yeah, Benderloch. Um, sort of near Oban. I was actually near Oban. No, it was Dunoon we were at that year. Was I doing right? And David took a call. Yes. And I was sitting with him, and the girls were bored and wandered off because he was on for, and. It was basically all this is unfolding before the Motherwell game. So this was actually, David was getting this from quite a lot of journals who were phoning. So, yes, this is true. We did have insight into the events as they literally started to unravel. Yes, that's, that's correct. Um, basically, I was getting phone calls from journals saying, this is going to happen. And I'm like, well, how do you know this is going to happen? And they were like, because I've just spoke to Barry Ferguson. I was like, ah, right, OK. And now I think it's, it's commonly accepted that uh, Ferguson was on the was on the phone before he left Murray Park but to set the scene a little bit where the the, the RST of which I was the spokesman for younger listeners um, had been very critical of David Murray but it, for some reason well not for some reason we'd helped him out a couple of things and in 2006 Murray and us had a kind of uneasy but decent relationship and in fact he let us announce that he was uh, that that Le Guin had agreed to join at our, our dinner that year. I mean, it wasn't that big a scoop. He'd, he'd already told the Sundays and it was going to go live on the Sunday in that, that kind of pre-social media age. But he did call us and say, you can say this at your event tonight. So we we were doing reasonably well. Although it come about from a kind of difficult place because we had lost under Alex McLeish. Um, Rangers had, in the end of 2005, gone on our worst run ever, 10, 10 matches without a victory. And we'd been very critical and Murray said that I'm going to give Alex five matches and see how he does, which I'm never a fan of. Somebody's good enough to manage you or he isn't. Uh, you know, this, we'll see how he gets on in this match. No. Um, but anyway, and after these five matches, of which I think we won two, uh, lost two and drew one, but yeah, it was a really poor set of results. Uh, he kept him on and I was... Fucking raging, I can't think of any other word for it And I went radio and blasted him in the middle of next week So he called me in for a meeting And he said uh, And I, I didn't really talk about stuff that was said to me in these meetings um, Until my cash-in book, obviously um, But it's been taken Which is still available Still available, yes uh, 21st Century Blue, available on Kindle And I I figured it's been 10 years so I can talk about this stuff So he called us in and he said I had a deal in place for George Burley Which I've had to pull out of Burley had just left Hearts, people might remember and he said, uh, McLeish was going, but I've had to, you know, I've had to do this. So then later in the season, we played Hibs in the Cup. Um, and you might remember a young Kevin Thompson got injured for them that day. Tony Mowbray was a manager. And they hammered yeah. us, remember, at Ibrox. 3 nothing, I believe. And I think they, we were sitting they, together they, that they, day, yes. We were, yeah. Well, this is the thing. There was then a protest. It was quite a spontaneous protest. I didn't go to it because not to be too um, arrogant, at the time, I thought if I go to this and Murray sees it, he'll blame me. But unfortunately, yes, went, but unfortunately one <laughs> six foot four dickhead that I know fucking went and he saw you because you know you're huge and he spotted you and he went, Bastards, that was a trust organizer. So he called me in for a bollock and he was really going to let me have it. He, apparently, it was you know all my fault that McLeish played 4 4. But he, could, he had to cancel the meeting, it was due the Monday and then he put it back to the Thursday. And on the Thursday, uh, sorry, on the Wednesday night we played Aberdeen away and McLeish went 4 2 4 again and we got beat. So I went in and instead of getting a bollock, he went, Yeah, he's going. <laughs> right? yeah, and I, I think an interesting tip that he said, uh, We said, Well, he said, I'm going to let him stay at the end of the season. 
And he said, well, what about Durant? Could Ian Durant not do it? And he said, nah, Ian's a future manager and I don't want him, um, I don't want him tarred by, by this. So that, that was the thinking then. Anyway, right, I digress. I'm, I'm rambling a little. Apology. You can turn off if you want, if you're not interested in this stuff, because it, it is quite rambly. I accept that. So... Uh, Anyway, we, we kind of told us, we'd, we'd mentioned to him, you know, guys that we thought might be quite good, and PLG was one. And I remember when he, he told us he had them, and my God, was that man proud. So people that, that, that think that Murray, you know, wasn't excited, he really was, take my word for it. He was, remember, Scott, he was like the cat who got the cream, wasn't he? He was so proud of himself. It, it, I think he felt, again, that he'd answered his critics by not only meeting them halfway, but trumping them. Yeah, to to get this guy that we didn't think he could get, and to be fair, yes. you know, he kind of had. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. That was his last. Well, you could say that bringing in Walter turned out to be a bit of a master stroke in terms of success, but in terms of being able to deliver something, um, and Murray had this way of uh, call it cold, cold reading. Um, he had a way of making you believe whatever he was saying, and I think he did that to Le Guin. You know, hypnotists use it, and I'm I'm sure that uh, yep. he did he did that to Le Guin as well. But anyway, so he got Le Guin. Invited us up to Murray Park to meet him. You know, very impressive guy. He was tall, tanned, really cool, laid back. I thought his English was all right, and I'm from Ayrshire, so Chris Boyd doesn't have that excuse either. I could understand him. But uh, afterwards, we said, so he said, right, we're getting in. Uh, his first signing is going to be the uh, French under 21 goalkeeper, Steve Mandanda, uh, who's now at Crystal Palace. And. We were like, oh, that's fantastic. He says, and he's got a budget of X amount of millions. Can't remember how much it was, but I'm pretty sure it ran to. Uh, I'm pretty sure it ran to eight figures, definitely. But uh, and he, he had all these plans laid out for us and mapped all the rest of it. So then later on, we arrived and we're like, well, what happened to you know the French goalkeeper? He said he signed a French goalkeeper. Went, yeah, he's 35. It's Lionel Latizzi. You told us a French under 21 goalkeeper. I did not. <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, um, you know we're all kind of looking at each other going. Hmm. So, what Murray told me, called called us in when all this was happening, uh, to tell us what had happened. You can judge if this is true or not, I'm just passing this on, this is what I was told at the time. Now, David Murray being totally truthful, I would say this isn't 100%, but this is what, what I was told, and I just hope you find this a kind of interesting addendum to the, the story. Uh, he said that Gwen first tried to quit in September, that... Um, he came to him and said, "It's not working out. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be here. Um, I think it's I've made a mistake. And I should go." And Murray talked to him and staying quite rightly. I think he said, "Look, you know, you've only been here effectively five minutes. There were going to be bumps in the road." Um, he felt that Le Guin again. Murray, you know, painted himself in a better light with this, but he said that he was disappointed with the budget he'd been given. And I thought, well, no bloody wonder, but. Um, as far as Murray was concerned, he'd told him the truth right at the start, so hmm, there's definitely an anomaly in there. Um, but he, he first tried to quit in September, and although Murray talked to him about it, he said he got the impression he was only killing time from then on in, and that the Ferguson situation was, as he described it to me, suicide by cop. You know that way that that people do to. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, to, to you pick on the captain, the best yeah, player. Yeah, um, he, yeah. He knew. Now, don't get me wrong. Ferguson had, had definitely been acting up. Um, now, Boyd's take was it was due to frustration, and that might be true. There's the, the infamous monster munch thing. What was true is that junk food was banned, and that the the players were up in arms about this. And 
there was very little respect between the two. And I think that Le Guin was quite transient. I think he was quite, I'm not going to be here soon. So I, I don't think he was bothered about, uh, you know, picking picking fights normally. He tended to just sort of like let it roll over him and results weren't really bothering him. And I think that that did frustrate the players that they were... You know, can you not heal the fans? Can, this isn't good enough. And Le Guin was like, no, no, don't worry about it, kind of thing. So the Ferguson situation, Murray's view was that Le Guin had engineered it to not give him a way out. Now, he, he spoke very highly of him, though, because he said he never asked for a penny in settlement. And this is true, Le Guin. He said, it didn't work out, but I don't want you to pay up my contract or anything like that. All I would ask is that you maybe do that for the guys I brought in, because, you know, that... They're gonna to have to leave as well, and they were talked into coming. It's not not their fault. Mm-hmm. To which Murray agreed, and actually, to be fair, did did pay them. But Le Guin didn't ask for any settlement and didn't receive one. Um, now the the thing Ferguson's alluded to this, where he said he was called in by David Money to see him, and he didn't know if it was going to be the end of his Rangers career. And for what it's worth, Murray told me he didn't know either. Um, with him coming in. He said when he arrived, he listened to what he had to say, didn't agree with it all, and he said he bollocked him in the middle of next week um, and told him he was on his last warning. And he reminded me of that, actually. Do you remember the Ferguson-McGregor-Scotland thing when Ferguson yes. was bombed out? Yeah. To be fair to Murray, he did say, I told you he was on his last warning, that was his last warning, and he's gone. And, of course, that, that turned out to, to be the case. Um, I personally think that the Murray of the 90s would have got rid of him. Um, I think he would have been gone. Because yeah, if you remember the Murray that told Sunus, now nah, you're going today. You know, yes. not I think he would have let him go, but this Murray in two thousand and six, early two thousand seven well, early two thousand seven was at the time, was kinda of tired and it was a path of least resistance and he knew that, you know, there were enough fans who who were certainly on his side. So he allowed that to happen, and then you know Walter came in, Ali came in as well, which was obviously great PR because you know he was very popular, and uh, and things moved on from there. And then suddenly we we had a bit of money, strangely, and Kevin Thompson arrived. You remember Hugo Eckiog, yeah. Davy Weir, uh, Andy Webster, although that didn't it turn out quite so well. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was an interesting an interesting time. My view on it was great idea, but. You know, wrong man at the right time, if you like. Um, I think that Le Guin, his coaching credentials were there. It was a coup for Rangers to get him. Um, however, I think that the the guy himself regretted it pretty much instantly from when he arrived um, and then engineered the way out of it. I think he was helped in engineering a way out of it by a bunch of players who were so utterly resistant to change as to be almost comical, hence the whole monster, uh, monster munch critiques um, and I think that that was also why Murray felt for, for all people criticised, I did, you did that oh, Walter you know, it's, it's such a, a kind of retrograde appointment he felt two things and he was correct you know, and I don't praise David Murray at all, I was going to say lightly yes. <laughs> ever um, but he felt that Walter could deliver immediate results in a way that maybe a coach coming in who didn't know that wouldn't be able to do. And he also felt, correctly, that Walter was hard, which he really is, by the way. If you've ever, anyone who's ever met Walter kind of off-camera, he's a terrifying man. And he felt that the players would get their asses kicked, and that's exactly what happened. 
Um, so t- I'm not. Please don't say I'm. I'm saying all this is gospel. I'm really not. This is just what I was told. A lot of it could be bullshit. It came from a source that, let's face it, spoke a lot of bullshit. Even yes. even in the course of that tale, there's inconsistencies. Uh, he, he also told me once that we were that close. Fingers, you know, thumb, thumb and four fingers. Just about from signing Joey Barton when he was at Man City. Cripes. Yep, on loan. But apparently there was an issue with the fax machine. Genuinely, that's what he told me. Um, <laughs> so that was in 2005. We were that close to signing Joey Barton. So you you can take from that what you want. Scott, your views on the Le Guin era? Well, I think just, just a few things. First of all, I think you're right that he didn't fancy it. I think part of that is because at Leon, he was a first-team coach and... There was Bernard Lecomte did all the signings and the dealings, and I think he expected something similar. I don't think he wanted to be hands-on with everything all the time. Second, there's a great story from Leon's training ground just after we got Le Guin, where in France, the culture, and Italy and Spain, etc., you clown about when you turn up for training, but see when you go on the pitch, say half nine, you all just stand and listen to the coach. And Le Guin couldn't believe that people were back-chatting, making funny noises, Make fart gags, he and I was a rabble, and he he hated the fact that he couldn't just get his views across as a first team coach. I think he wanted out. I think that's definitely the opinion. Secondly, I don't believe Paul Le Guin was told that he was going to get five players from Austria Vienna because they'd go into liquidation. I don't think that that was what was told. I think there are inconsistencies in David Murray's story, and I think Le Guin expected more on the transfer front. I think as for Chris Boyd and Barry Ferguson. I think you can argue that Le Guin wanted to go and should have gone and wasn't the right man, but they did undermine him. There's no doubt they behaved disgracefully. And in Chris Boyd, we have a man who was getting sick notes at the time for being hungover, allegedly, trying to criticise Paul Le Guin's professionalism. And secondly, boys in the papers talking about all this, and Le Guin's never said a word against us in 10 years, not one statement no. has, he, has he released about any negative. So I think that judges the man. You can tell the man's character through that. Lastly, I think it was the right idea and the wrong man. And I wish in some ways that that Murray had tried again with somebody, just a different personality type, but the same ideas. However, nobody knew that we were so badly damaged financially then. It was more of a secret at that time, all the trust. We had a bit of an inkling, but nobody knew that we'd start selling players and even under Walter's well, three years... I tried, Walter, tell, I tried to tell everybody that a year later yeah. and get called every name under yeah. the sun. Well, we did. I mean, we, we basically said to people what would happen and we were told to F off. Yeah, and often us. physically attacked. Members of trust when they were leafleting and stuff yeah, were attacked. But but let's just, let, let's just say this. Even at Walter's three years, we did so well. We were shedding players... We were actually paying off the debt, which came down remarkably well. Yeah, Alistair uh, Johnson did a remarkable job. And he did, to be fair, and, a guy I never praised, Bain. Yep, and Celtic at that stage, we won three league titles in a row, paying a lower wage bill than them. Yep. So even then, people, and I'm guilty of it, oh, we should have replaced Le Guin with somebody similar, but there wasn't the money for a project. It turns out we were starting to sell the family silver, and maybe it would have made no difference if Paul Le Guin had stayed or gone. That's the sad truth, David. Maybe we needed... Walter Smith could Walter could get more out of a limited bunch of players as we were cost cutting yeah. and maybe the time for a project was as you say, David, maybe five, six, seven years earlier. Maybe the Paul the David Murray of the nineties 
looking back, should have been the man to instigate a project. He tried then. that with Advocate, but he went about it arse over elbow. He went about it through huge spending. He front-loaded the spending rather than spending what yeah. we gained on the field, and you're right. Was none of that. Yes. At the time, you're talking this kind of pre-La Magia, pre-Barcelona, the done thing wasn't, oh, you, you build a fantastic youth system and players coming through. That wasn't really the thing. It was about signing players and exciting. So he did, he did try it, he just did it badly, and in the end, irreparably badly. But yep. he, you're, you're right. But the David Murray... This is the thing people need to remember, Murray. There's two distinct periods. There's the hard charging, I can take on the world, David Murray of the 90s. Now, he was reckless and it eventually cost him, not just with Rangers, but his own companies. Um, but there was that guy who was very ambitious, very focused, and then there was the guy in the 2000s of the just fuck off and leave me alone. You know, what, what do you bastards want to. Uh, yes. What more did he do? And he, he wanted away from Rangers years before he got away from Rangers. And yeah, that, that, that's just so that that's just a tuppence worth on it. You may have different views. Again, please get in touch with us and tell us, and we'll go through the the, the rest of them next week. Next week we'll also have our uh, results of our two hundred ish two hundred ish episode competition. Had some good entries. You can still enter that, by the way. It's a prize worth winning. And uh, just get in touch. Let us know. What, because we've had 200 episodes and we forgot and well we didn't know and didn't celebrate it so what's been your favourite heart and hand memory over the years tell us about that um, apart from that I've uh, already told you you can get in touch with us Facebook and Ibrox Rocks Scott Hart Hand on Twitter uh, to thank our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee Mr Paul Myers and to thank my guest today for an illuminating pod Mr Scott Vandenacker Thanks for having me on. It was actually a really good pod today and I'm hoping that people out there will have lots of things to generate some chat. I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about and it's an interesting time for the club. What I'd say is don't panic. Um, Stay the course. We sold out the stadium every game in December and that's with Christmas and New Year coming up. We sold out every game. We gave St Johnson their biggest attendance in 16 years. Is that right, David? 16 years. Keep doing what you're doing. Spend the money. We've sold out a friendly in Germany. Yes, in fact they had to sell, send us an extra block of tickets. Keep doing what you're doing, keep supporting the team. It's not ideal, none of it's ideal, but nor is it going to happen overnight. Um, try and find some middle ground. There are lots of areas to criticise and we do it every week, but there's also not a magic wand. If only there was a four-word statement that summed up how great we are, Scott. If only... Uh, um, think we, one? Was, we, we, we... Are... Well, the... People. And always will be. My name's David Edgar. I've been your host and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.